Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 543 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined, as always, by Stephen Kyle Brackey. He is here, and we have, as promised, a return, our special guest, UNI assistant coach Lee Roper. Coach Roper, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Glad to be back on. Talk some wrestling. Man, it's good to it's good to have you back. We haven't. It's been. I don't really. Time uh, doesn't exist so much during this time. So it maybe it was May. It could have been June. I don't know when you were on when we were talking about Last Dance and you know there was a decades battle or something or the states battle. I don't even know when it was, but it it happened sometime between the world shutting down and now. Do you remember? I think it was last week, really. It was probably just like last Tuesday is what it kind of seems like. It was last Tuesday. That's right. That's right. Last. It was uh, May, late May. Late May. Okay. There you go. Um, I had it narrowed down to two months, so so good for me. Well, Coach, give us a kind of kind of an update. How are things uh, up at UNI? Obviously, still everyone's in some sort of a modification of their normal life. What what's life like for you right now? Yes, it is a strange time, especially to be on a college campus. Really right now is figuring out kind of what hoops we have to jump through. And obviously there's safety issue with your athletes. But the main thing that we've been talking about is how we can get consistency for our guys because they need that structure. And, man, some guys moving a long way from home, they don't have that normal grew up in this hometown, parental support, coach support. So we're trying to find a way we can get guys on a – training on a consistent basis because other than the wrestling skill part, they need that in their life more than anything. Trying to win at the highest level when you get to college and pass that with the Olympic level too. You just, you got to stack up a lot of really consistent days. So we're figuring out how we can do that and still jump through regulations from school and NCAA. And it's just a lot of hoops to jump through right now. So getting better as a coach and kind of looking at it as a hard workout, 
got good leadership out of Doug, and that's kind of the way he's phrasing it to all of us. It's frustrating and gets old, but just look at it as a tough workout and find a way to improve and get better. We got to demonstrate it for our guys if we want them to do it. Yeah. So is is there any actual wrestling going on in in any facet for you guys? Is that possible? Not. Not quite yet. There's like phases you have to go through when guys get on campus. We should be able to start up here in the next few days because we'll we'll enter phase four with what I don't get into all the like what the phases were, but basically where you can have contact, which the first few phases don't help wrestling much because it's like you could pass a basketball back and forth in one of the phases. Well, we don't have that for wrestling. So you got to get in that last phase to actually put hands on a guy. So we're about to get in that and can start doing some more normal work. And it'll be all on an individual basis. But Doug had a meeting yesterday and got some good news that we can start moving towards getting a little bit more normal. That's excellent. Um, what, what have you learned about what the season might look like from a scheduling standpoint for you guys? Uh, we actually just talked about that recently, and it's still up in the air a little bit. A lot will depend on uh, some Big 12 meetings in the future for us. But, I mean, as you guys have talked about, it's going to look like January to NCAA tournament time will probably be the season. It's going to be around eight dates, I think, for most teams. And then for us, we're thinking about, okay, where do we have to put the Big 12 tournament? So let's say you have an outbreak at the tournament, heaven forbid, you've got that quarantine time and guys can still go to NCAAs. But the calls and the conversations that I've been on, it's like making sure we have an NCAA tournament first mm -hmm. and foremost, and then like eligibility for your athlete. That's the next concern, making sure they're protected and nobody loses another year because my was heartbreaking for everybody last year. Nobody wants to go through that again. Yeah, no, no question. So when you say eight dates, that would be, would that be six matches and then big tens or big 12, excuse me, NCAAs, or would it be eight total? Well, that's uh, it depends. It depends if because um, I think it was D two and D three put in. If it was half their competition days for regular season, if postseason gets canceled, nobody loses eligibility. So that's kind of where the eight dates comes in. They're looking at half of the normal sixteen that you get during the regular season. So that's why the eight dates is there because that I would imagine that probably gets pushed through uh, through NCAA to make sure people don't lose eligibility. But that's still up in the air and there's bylaws and a process you have to go through with it. So that's why the eight dates is kind of circulating around right now. So do, do you, uh, w what sort of a challenge will it be potentially not having any tournaments leading up to, to big 12s, right? Cause our way in and one match is so different from a, a tournament grind, especially big 12s is a big bracket, right? Yes. Yeah. When, when you moved in, you've got some bigger brackets and that's actually one of the things we want to make sure that's not the only two day way in. So it's going to be a lot of simulated stuff. And then for me personally, I think the biggest hurdle we've got to get is, I mean, we're dealing with 18 to 21 year olds, right. And then them thinking, okay, the season doesn't start till January. Well, man, you're not going to be prepared from January to March to get ready for the tournament, especially with guys getting their weight in check and all that. So <clears throat> making sure that guys just stay on a normal schedule is probably the biggest hurdle for me right now that I'm communicating. Like, what would you do right now if the season started October 10th, the first official day, and you got to make sure you stay in that routine. So trying to keep it as normal as possible and not having guys push the season off like, oh, it doesn't start till January. I can live a more normal life and not train like I normally do at this time. Yeah. As you've discussed, uh, protecting eligibility for athletes is super important, especially with a year where there's so much uncertainty. Are, are you? Do you anticipate 
kind of because uh, we've kind of theorized like for someone like Spencer or, or someone like that that keep him in red shirt till conferences. Have, have you guys had any conver- conversations around that kind of lineup modification around being strategic and make sure the season's going to be completed? I mean, yeah, we've talked about it, but it's probably a lot more in passing because, I mean, you guys know how much things have changed from day to day with all this. I mean, even in states, what's allowed and what's not allowed. So that's probably more just stressing out and worrying and passing some time other than coming up with some real decisions because, man, things could look very different come January. So we're playing it by ear and, like I said, just trying to look at it as a tough workout and get better on a day-to-day basis. If you start thinking about January, you'll run yourself crazy trying to make some decision and who knows what the world looks like then. Now, you are a very smart person. Have you done any work on the vaccine at all? I'm leaving that up to my brother. He's a lot smarter than me. Um, I'm only smart when it comes to wrestling. That's kind of the only area I know anything about. So just leave that up to people a a lot smarter than me. All right. Well, that's disappointing. I was hoping for a vaccine (laughs) update, but that's fine. I'll go. I'll get on it this afternoon and see what I can cook up. I got a crock pot in in my kitchen. I'll I'll see what I can work up. To That's see. where it starts. And if nothing else, you're gonna have dinner, right? If the vaccine doesn't but work out. I'm I'm also really competitive too, so I might not share it with everybody, and I just vaccinate the people around here. So that might be my competitive advantage. Dang. And that's might be. I've already figured it out too, Christian. And that's how we're gonna do really well. Just everybody well, else has to be quarantined, and we're the only people that show up. So dang. ipso facto, national championship. Panther trained 10 national champions because <laughs> Lee Roper withheld the vaccine. I, I love I love that competitive fire. Um, okay, so we, we've been talking, uh, ben, ben and Bracky and I, a lot about youth wrestling, and th- there's a lot of different schools of thought. Ben is very ramp up later, low competition early. Um, and, you know, he's, he's having a lot of success with the Askin Wrestling Academy. Actually, before we – we should we should say – uh, ben had his surgery yesterday, right? We have uh, he posted a video on Twitter. We should play that right now. Looks like he's doing great. Let's check that video. Oh, this guy's about to get cradled. I can tell. Oh man, there he's walking. He looks good. He's or- saying things in this. He's calling someone out, but uh, you might not be able to hear. It. But he's on a walker. <laughs> he's calling out the UFC fighter that like had to be carted off on a stretcher after he hurt his ankle in a fight. Um, but yeah, he's moving good. He said uh, he's. We were texting. He said today would be like one of the more painful days because I don't know, nerve blockers or something, whatever, start wearing off. So he's be feeling it a little bit. But um, apparently the surgery went really, really well. So we're really pumped about that. He's in. He's in Cleveland actually. He's not in. Um, he's not in Wisconsin. He's um, gone to a world class place for his. For surgery getting done, so we're, we're excited about that. So we figured you guys would want to update there. You probably saw this on Twitter. Like over a million people follow <laughs> Ben. It's like uh, um, you, you probably saw it, but in case you were concerned, there's Ben. So um, with that, Coach Roper talking about youth development and the different schools of thought. And uh, if you don't know about Coach Roper, he was a, a youth age-level wrestling coach in Georgia, compound uh, wrestling club. So you have a lot of experience there, and then now you coach in college, of course. But just talk a little bit about your, your philosophies with, with developing young wrestlers. Yeah, uh, first off, man, I've really enjoyed those conversations. One of the things I enjoy most is when people are headed in the same direction. They want the same outcome, 
but they have two completely different paths. And I'll tell you, I started off having a lot of the same thoughts that Ben did. Um, the thought I had in my head, which a lot of people have, is like I want it to matter later. And the reason that I got away from that was the next thought I had. Well, if I talk to my guys about it matters later or it matters at this certain time, it matters in high school. Well, the trick that I want them to get is to think that it never really matters. And uh, that comes from my dad that inside of us, a real competitor, winning's like breathing. You don't think about it. You want to win no matter what you do. So I don't want guys to focus on that. And, and my bias was that was the problem I had when I was a competitor. I worried too much about it. I thought I had to be perfect. So telling guys, hey, we're going to wait to do this when it matters already makes it bigger than it really was. So the next thing I thought about is, look, anything else, I take a progressive model. Um, I break it up into digestible chunks. So we're going to focus on a certain area at this age and then move up to the next area and we'll focus on it. And that's the way I went with competition too. I didn't want to hold it away from guys. Uh, let's practice it. So Christian, when we were texting, that's what I told you. I don't think competition's the killer. Um, most people really enjoy competition. Uh, they like going out and competing. I mean, think about real like athletes. And I don't mean the guys that have some athletic ability, the people that want to be athletes. When you're in primary school, elementary school, you want to race people. And when you race, you want to win. That's inside of people. We yes. want to see who the best is. And it doesn't matter what, what age you're at. Now, when I say age, I'm talking probably about eight years old, nine years old. That's when I started seeing kids wanting to compete and see, okay, can I win the race? And that's when I would encourage guys. And when I say encourage, we would go and compete. Earlier than that, I mean, they really don't know what they're doing. I don't see the point in a five-year-old really going out and wrestling. But about eight years old, you can start teaching them lessons. So my philosophy in Cliffs was, okay, we're going to teach these guys to compete well. And we actually talked about it being practice. They were our live practices. And we wrestled about every weekend. Part of that was culture building, but part of that we had something that we wanted to work on. So let's look at that very first age, about eight years old, where we really started going just about every weekend in wrestling. Well, from eight to 10 years old, kids can't really think at an abstract level. So it was about us, the coaches and the parents demonstrating the behavior we wanted them to have later on in their career when it really became about them. Um, if guys in high school really wanted to be a great wrestler, they have to demonstrate it. So we're talking about the win doesn't matter. Let's not get too high. Let's not get too low. And we have to demonstrate that. So that's the way we looked at competition. We're going to practice this piece. And then as they got a little bit older, like 10 to 12, and I actually got this idea from David Taylor's dad picking his brain. The focus was, I want to see technique that we're working on come out in your competition. It's just not your really good headlock or your really good whip over or your move that you go out and win with. Take the risk in a match that you could actually lose by going and doing new technique. Keeps guys well-rounded. It uh, really allows guys to be creative as they get older. Then that next phase where guys start hitting puberty age, and it's different for different kids too. They go through these phases at different levels. So the age I'm talking about is just kind of in general. When they start being aware of what's going on around them, you start talking about pressure because then they start worrying about like, okay, do I have the cool shoes on? Right. Do I, do, are the clothes I'm wearing in fashion? Like I coach mostly boys. I had some girls too, but I'll just use that as an example. It's like, Oh, that cute girl over there is watching me wrestle. So that's when you start talking about pressure when the outside influence comes in and how you can't let other people's expectations 
hold you back. It's the way you want to compete and it's your goals. And then when you get to high school, that's where it's kind of different for different guys because everybody's got different goals. Some want to be state champ. Some want to go into college. Some are starting to think about maybe I can be the best at this. And the thing I'll say about competition is we had two rules that I tried to get everybody to follow in the club. One, don't cut weight because completely agree. Nobody enjoys it. And that comes on later on when you're trying to min match your success level. Like, don't worry about the weight cutting piece. And the other, that was appropriate competition. Um, guys that aren't very good, I don't want them going out to Tulsa. I want my guys that are winning the local tournaments going out and getting pushed and vice versa. I don't want my guys that are really good staying home and winning all the time because they get bored. Those are the two rules I tried to put with competition as I move guys through this journey. But I really looked at it as practice and, um, man, look for those teachable moments. And for parents, for me, for the kids, we all mess up. We take it too seriously or we don't take it seriously enough or we lose our cool or you get too emotional. And by putting them in those, putting it in, in those young ages, you can use those high emotional states to kind of correct those things. And I mean, I learned a lot too. I had a lot of parents that like, Hey man, like calm down. Like you're too worried about your team doing well at Tulsa. So it was good for me as a coach too. And we just really looked at it as practice and I didn't have much burnout. I didn't have a whole lot of turnover and I got a lot of people to buy into it, which is really the important thing, getting your kids and your parents and the people that work with you to buy into the philosophy you have. Yeah. Um, what do you? What have you seen being so involved with youth wrestling for so long? What are the common trends or, or things you see with like the wrestlers that are successful today? What have you seen from? We were talking off air about Dayton and Yanni were two guys you were co- coached against uh, a bunch. What did you kind of mm-hmm. learn from uh, other watching other wrestlers? Uh, that's a great question, and, and I definitely – I'd have to put some thought into it, but off the top of my head, probably progression. Um, you see growth, and uh, that buys into my coaching philosophy a little bit. Like, there's laws of nature for growing, and that's what I applied to my wrestlers too. So you don't want them to be stagnant, and you always want them to learn. You want them to fail. You want them to succeed. So as long as you're kind of staying in that sweet spot, and that's what I mean by appropriate competition, that you're learning, you're getting better, you fail – and then you work harder and then you achieve later. So you have that feeling of accomplishment. That's, that's probably what I saw that it, the guys that won all the time from the time they were eight years old by high school, they were kind of bored with it. They wanted to move on to something else, but it's kind of that sweet spot of getting challenged and succeeding enough to know you can be good and failing enough to keep you hungry. That's probably what I saw with the guys that were consistent through all of those years and continuing to climb the ranks. And, that was like we were talking about. That was one of the cool parts of my journey that I've been on. I've seen a lot of these really good wrestlers since they were little kids. And, yeah, there were some that started later and some that didn't compete a lot. But, man, I, I watched a lot of these guys when they were 10 years old at Tulsa. And, man, you saw the skill and as they kept getting better. And then by middle school time, you're like, oh, this this guy's going to be pretty good if he doesn't lose his way through the high school years. So that's that's been a fun part of my journey that I've gotten to watch a lot of these guys grow up and myself included learned a lot as I was going. Are there any any guys that you, you coached against a bunch that you you were like, um, they they weren't good, and then they've gone on to like have great success collegiately, or have you? Uh, is there? I'm any sure examples. I'm sure. I'd I'd have to think about it a little deeper to get specific because 
man, you go and especially so many tournaments so many times, but I'm sure if I thought a little bit more in detail about it, there was there, but I can talk about a guy. Um, he, he started at Stanford last year at 125 pounds, Jackson Desario. He wasn't the superstar through the youth ages and man, but really was a guy that was dedicated and did really well in school. And you saw him in practice, just the coordination wasn't there yet. And just talking about being patient, like, when the maturity comes and the puberty game evens out, because I'm telling you, that's the thing yeah. that wins at middle school and high school levels is when you got a beard like this and you're in eighth grade, you're going to win a lot of wrestling matches. It doesn't matter how good you are, right? Armpit hair, it's undefeated. Um, but he was a guy that just his skills were really good. And when all that evened out, he ended up being really good. And now he's division one starter as a freshman and doing really well. So I can think of some guys that I coached that were like that and vice versa, guys that matured early. They thought they were really good, and their skills didn't improve. So those were the guys that would plateau a little bit. Yeah. No, that's something you see and read a lot about, that kind of lack of development because of that early success. So it's a, it's a fine fine balance to strike. Um, we were, you were talking earlier about um, we had basically a mini FRL before the thing started. <laughs> But then I kind of stopped this conversation because I wanted to I wanted to hear more about it. I wanted to kind of save it. But you were talking about M Mike Tyson and his philosophies. Well, just share a little bit about that. Yeah, I can't remember. It, it might have been on his podcast or an interview he was on. I wish I had the specific instance so people could go look at it later. I'll go do some digging and see if I can find it. Um, but he talked about his time through boxing, about how when he was young – this hot shot 14 year old, that was his time to shine. And you see it in wrestling too. Like that's the time where the guy gets to be the best. He's the best guy in the country. Then you see it later on. And he talked about his time was through his twenties. That's what his time to shine. Nobody could beat him. Then you see a guy later on and maybe they're a superstar when they're 35 or 40 and that everybody puts the later years on a pedestal, but not everybody's capable of being a world champ when they're at the senior level. And if you're one of those guys that matures early and that's your time to shine, enjoy it because being the best at something like being the best guy in the country is a very rare thing. And if you ever have that opportunity, look at it as a blessing and enjoy it because it's a rare thing. Like not very many people get to go to Tulsa and win a Tulsa title for as much as Tulsa gets kind of, crapped on by people it's it's an accomplishment that people want to achieve and it's a big deal for kids it's not for us as adults because we have life experience right you know that life's going to bring other things but in that moment it's a big deal for the kid why not let them enjoy it because that might be the only time they get to be that good because they matured early and that's their time to be the best guy in the country and when they get to high school and things even out they might not be the best athlete they might not be the most coordinated they might get distracted by a whole lot of fun. They might not have the best practice partners or coaches. So anytime you have a guy that can really be elite at something, no matter what age it is, man, let him enjoy it and talk to him about how important it is. Yeah. It was really interesting, man. I, it changed my perspective on youth sports a whole lot. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, Tyson's such a fascinating guy. So any time he kind of speaks – you know he's got a a wealth of experience, good and bad, that I think is is curious, and it's interesting that he would be applicable to something like like youth wrestling, and you know when kids are at their best. Uh, kind of switching gears a little bit here, coach. 
UWW updated their calendar. I don't know when, but they have the Senior World Championships on there from the 12th to the 20th in December. What do you think about that's that? That's good news for me. That's great. I didn't I didn't know that was going to happen. I was, Man, that was one of the things I've been talking with some of our more motivated guys about, about, man, they're wanting to do parterre work and parterre defense. And I was like, well, guys, I don't know if there's going to be an NCAA champ. I mean, a national cha- a world championship this year, but pretty sure there's going to be an NCAA title. Let's get off bottom. So, man, that's awesome that, that that's on the calendar. I'd love to see if there's really validity to it. That's uh, exciting news. Yeah, obviously final decisions have not been made. We know that much. They're, I think they have a meeting in the next little bit, and uh, I know they're looking at recommendations and whatnot. So this isn't – and I don't think they've ever said it's set in stone, but this is what they're shooting for. It's just cool to see a date, a location, Serbia, Belgrade. I mean, that is that, – that's exciting stuff. And then, you know, because our conversations d- domestically have been, it's not happening, it's not going to happen. You talk to – different athletes and people in the community and people, you know, in the know, they're very dubious of anything, right? So it's it's exciting to me that there'd be a potential. And then, you know, so December 12th through 20th, we, we need to back up like a month or six weeks and figure out when would we pick our team, right? That's really exciting. We, we felt pretty confident we're going to have juniors and, and U23s, but the idea of having a senior world championship seemed like a long shot, but it's really exciting that it's a potential possibility. Well, you guys could help out with this too. You probably have more insight than I do. How does that really change the dynamic of the senior open? And what is it? October 9th around that time. Cause yeah. that was uh, one of the stipulations with non Olympic weights going in. Right. So if there's a world championship, they put the non Olympic weights in, which man, I really think they probably should do anyway, just for the size. I don't, I think they're underestimating the size of what those brackets are going to be. You could be looking at some Fargo size brackets for a senior level tournament. You think so? Crazy. Uh, just think about the last time even college guys wrestled. People yeah. want mat time. They, they love the sport. They want to go compete. So, I mean, I definitely could be wrong and it could be small, but I think those brackets could be gigantic just from a standpoint. There's nothing else to compete in. Right. Do you think you'll, you'll have any guys there? Yeah, well, a lot of that's Doug's decision. He kind of does the planning and peaking, but I know we have a lot of athletes that want to do it. Like, just yeah. about everybody wants to go and wrestle because, one, they lost an opportunity last year to go to NCAAs. That kind of bad taste is in their mouth. They want to go scrap. They want to go put their hands on another guy. I mean, uh, wrestling in garages and basements is getting old for them. They want to yeah. get more back to structure and compete. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. Yeah, I don't know how that would impact the the Coralville. Um, well, so when USA Wrestling put out, they got a lot of questions when they announced that this was going to happen. So they did like a Q&A, and uh, they said, if United World Wrestling confirms that a 2020 Senior World Championship will be held in December in Serbia, and if USA Wrestling decides to attend the event, uh, the appropriate sport committee will set those qualifying standards. It is quite possible that the event in Iowa City would become the qualifier for the 2020 World Championships, and they would expand it to 10, the 10 weight classes. Whoa, the qualifier is in trials mm-hmm. kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. But would have to be to keep the normal timeline they had to kind of get the team together and do some development and scouting because – I think that's one of the things they do pretty well now is making sure guys are prepared for that tournament. So you'd have to imagine it would be around. I mean, you can't do it late November or the beginning of November. That's a pretty quick turnaround compared to the December date. Man, that is that would be wild if I mean 
that's like a month away, and how and that could turn into the trials for some level. I believe UWW's meeting in a week or two, really soon, and making their decision, and then based on what they decide, USRS is going to have to make a quick turnaround. But yeah, man, man, how, man, how. How many guys hearing that right now has got the Rocky soundtrack on in their headphones and they're got sweats <laughs> on about to go do some road work and put the donuts down for breakfast? They're like, man, I got to get my weight in check and get ready for this thing because you up the stakes and there's a world title. People start taking it more seriously. World title. And then you, how would this impact the Olympic, the qualification process there, right? Would, would we have almost like a, a mini Olympic trials at, at Olympic weights? Would we have – a Dake Burroughs, but we have a, a, a Jaden Snyder situation, right? Because my, my question is, if you make the team and win a medal at the 2020 Senior Worlds, would you get the get the bye to the finals, right? Or would this be like, no, this year doesn't really count for that because it's such a unique year? Um, I'm, I, would ima- I would assume if you went and won a world medal, you would get the benefits of that at the trials but i don't at the olympic trials but i don't know yeah uh, that's gonna be a mess just uh it's kind of like what qualification for ncaa's is going to be this year because you're looking at a shortened schedule like our rpi doesn't work anymore just statistically right you can't do anything based on that so i think it'll be one of those things whatever they come up with we're just going to have to swallow a bitter pill we're not going to be happy with it it's going to be great for you guys you guys gonna have a lot to talk about and kind of disagree (laughs) with and get opinions on it'll be some good content but i think for the people competing you're just going to have to deal with it like it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be great but it's better than not wrestling that's what i keep telling myself yeah how do you how do you do that um we talked a little bit with Bader about the old qualification system, which sounded sort of terrible. I don't know. I, how how different are you and Bader in age, Coach? Bader's a few years older than me. Um, probably, I would guess off the top of my head, four years, three years, somewhere like that. I was I was in the old qualification system too, and uh, man, I, <laughs> that's like a dagger in my heart. I got kind of hurt by it a few times, not getting qualified because it really was kind of like uh, being in the Southern Conference, especially popularity contest for those wild card bursts. And uh, I mean, obviously my bias is I believe that I was supposed to be there, but I couldn't beat John Saritas and we had some tight matches and guy ended up being two-time All-American. I was close with him and I didn't get to go. I sat at home watching NCAA. So love the new system because it's in your hands. Like how you do during the season really helps. And it would have helped me and that's probably why I like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, I like it too. It obviously is with not not without flaws, but man, I think you you get pretty close to the best best thirty three, and there, you know there's things in your in and out of your hands, but for, for sure there's the, the opportunities are given, and and with the conference allocations and the wild cards and the things that they take into effect, I think it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, how are, how are they going to do that now? How are we going to get the best thirty three if guys are wrestling? Uh, 12 matches before the NCAAs with their eight duels and four or five at the conference championship, maybe. Man, I thought a good bit of, I, th- I think about wrestling way too much, as you guys could tell when we were going way back to the older guys. And I've seen some of those guys wrestle. I thought a lot about it. I don't know a good way. I don't, 
I mean, I really think it could probably go back to uh, conference allocations, how your conference did last year. Um, you get a certain number of wild card bursts plus a champ. I, I mean, that was the only thing I could see going to just because it's been done in the past. So you have a model you could go on. But hopefully smarter people than me are thinking about it and they come up with something that's better than that. But, I mean, again, we got to look at it. If there's an NCAA tournament, even if we don't like it, all right, we've not had an NCAA tournament. Let's just deal with it and go wrestle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, missing matches is going to be highly punished. You know, there's there's guys like, um, you know, uh, Spencer, you could enter conferences and, and just get the auto bid. But there's going to be guys that are going to be injured for like a two, for a three-week span and be out. And these bubble guys are just going to be – it's going to be a combination of being healthy and just – getting all the matches you can is there any chance they could expand the field that I oh my that. gosh if, that would be interesting if anything, just massive it brackets would, <laughs> everyone's in if anything i think it would shrink I, I think if anything happens it goes to 16 man and not bigger oh, i think man. they would go smaller if anything that makes sense dude Let's, i hate that i hate it but 16 no you don't you like it Sicko. It'd be terrible. 16? How do you pick 16 when there, you a guy wrestles eight matches? I mean, maybe they'll have 12 going in, right? And then your schedule is so important. And not even – and, Coach, if you're just scheduling duels, you can't – You're. it's a team versus a team. You can't be like, I need to get my 33-pounder a good match here. It's like, I hope – Oklahoma State wrestles Dayton Fix and not their backup that they're not going to center. This isn't going to, you know, like all these other things. Um, not, not that Dayton's a great example because he's going to be probably favored in that match. Um, but you get, you get my drift here, right? Yeah, look at a guy like um, – that's probably a bad example too because he's pretty good. Look at a freshman like uh, uh, Staraki, guys you guys talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. What if he starts off slow and he's in the Big Ten? It's a tough conference. Yeah. What if he loses his – first four matches in a in a big 12 schedule like you could see that happening right and he goes in and he's four and three going into big tens yeah now you're gonna have some things like that and you know how good he is you see freshmen round their way into shape they figure out how to compete they get their diet under control that's where i think you're going to see some strange things with those young guys with a short schedule i mean i know i'm thinking about it with some weird going to be young this year and we got a whole lot of talent and some guys i really believe in but like how do you get those guys ready to learn those lessons that take 12 matches or 15 matches, and then they're ready to go beat a good guy. You just don't have that time anymore. You don't have the open tournaments. You don't have those first few duels. They kind of figure out the pressure and how to win those matches. So there's going to be a lot of uh, thinking outside the box for coaches this year with that shortened schedule, if that's what comes to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's probably not going to be any, if at all, tournaments. So you lose, like, Scuffle and Vegas and these chance to – to pick up big wins that look good for you on, on your resume. I'm also worried about how much rankings, preseason rankings, are going to kind of like set the table for a lot of this stuff, right? Because th those things don't – it's going to be tough to move those around and how much, you know, if, if there's a, a coach vote component and how much coaches will rely on like the national rankings from around the country, not just flow – in, in that factor in and just kind of what the preseason rankings, how much weight those could carry, right? 
you know, whenever you're working with a small data set, it's easier to kind of wiggle around and everybody's looking for a competitive advantage, right? And like we talked about before, you've got a guy that you know is really good, but he's four and three. You could not rank him just based on like he's four and three. What would I rank him for? So I, I think you've got to stay away from the way we've done it in the past with RPI and coaches rankings and all those things because, man, it's just not going to work. If you get such a small data set and it can be manipulated really easily, I like I said, I don't, I've thought a lot about it and I don't know a good way to do it. I think we're going to be pretty unhappy with whatever it is. But again, I'm just trying to look at it as if we have a tournament and get to wrestle, that's better than what we had to go through last year, which man, that's a, that's a bad time for coaches having to deal with, especially seniors that, man, they got that opportunity taken away from them. Let's just stay as far away from that as we possibly can. Yeah, please. Let's please do. Um, okay. Well, that will be an interesting wrinkle to f- see how they figure out how they're going to get qualifications working for NCAAs. It w- you're right. It will be fun to talk about. Um, it will create some content, but it will also be a little more painful just because it, we're talking about potentially lost opportunities for guys that have given their lives, uh, dedicated their lives, I should say, to one thing. I can't wait to see you get fired up too, Christian, because that ranker in you can't go away. You did it for too long. It's just how mad you're going to be with this guy gets to go and that guy doesn't get to go. Like, I, I like. Well, I think it's clear. Up, it'll be, it's it'll very be fun obvious. for me to watch. Yeah. They should just let you pick it. That's probably what they should do. They should just let you pick who gets to go and then wrestle the tournament. <laughs> I've said that for years. I think I think all the coaches would be on board with that. I don't think there'd be any opposition to that whatsoever. Not, not one bit. They do. I do think they need someone else in the. Or I guess they they've done a little better, but there have been times of like they need other people in that room when they when they make the decisions. But uh, man, I've I've been pretty public about not having coaches involved in the seating process, and not that I think anybody's manipulating or cheating, right? But that's just man, it's impossible to get away from your bias and. Like even like I want my guy on one side of the bracket or the other side of the bracket. That's a lot of wiggle room for people. Like I just, I think coaches need to be completely out of that. It's never made much sense to me. As I started getting a little bit more insight of the way it goes, it was just like NCAA get, coaches get to be part of the seating committee. I'll, I'll get to pick where Duke goes for the NCAA basketball tournament. That wouldn't make any sense. So I never, I never got that. I never understood why coaches are part of the seating committee. It just doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I, I agree with that. Also the I yeah, I don't like the coaches rankings really either because I don't know. I have a variety of reasons. Well for, like for Bader the same was, reason. Bader was talking about how like the coaches would make alliances and like I'm gonna I'll help get your guy through and stuff like that. Like I was like thinking about it's like, well that stuff still happens today with the coaches rankings. For sure. I'll say I don't think he would mind me saying it, but like one thing I see, Doug really tries to do the rankings as well as he can because you get a weight class, right, and how much time he spends on it. And you'll see like you can see him. He's over there really trying to dig through results. And, man, he's pulling up this website and that website trying to get it right. And he's like, I need to be coaching and not worried about this. Like why am I trying to sort out who's – ranked 25th at 174 pounds or whatever weight it is. Yeah. Like he'd rather be in the room trying to get our 174 pounder better than worried about the rankings. But man, I appreciate him trying to do a quality job. Cause it's, he puts a lot of, I'm telling you, it is a, it is a, I bet he spends at least three or four hours a week on it. 
Oh my God. Trying to make, trying to make sure that he's got things right. Cause man, you get down, you know how it goes. You get down to those lower ranks and you're just like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does. Like those points matter for getting to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That's the, that's the crazy thing. And that's where it's the hardest to make the determination. It's like one through 10, you can do pretty, it, it kind of does itself. And then depending on the weight, 10 through like 18 can be sort of cut and dry as well. But you get to the 18 and now if you're ranking 33, oh my word. I mean, these guys are all beating and losing to each other. And there's, then you throw in, okay, he lost to this guy from this school. That's not deep. I mean, it can get, it can get pretty difficult. So shout out coach Schwab. I'm not surprised at all to hear that he, uh, is that, uh, fastidious with his rankings. Makes perfect sense to me. Okay, um, we got a couple questions, and we can uh, we can get out of here. You can take it in any direction. Oh, I did want to say also, I know that uh, this is a wrestling podcast. However, um, Nikki Nikki Ryan is going to be taking on Tony Ramos, and who's number one grappling? Going to be very. Uh, I'm excited to see that Tony is is uh, if you don't know anything about Nikki Ryan, he's kind of like a jujitsu wonderkin prodigy, and Ramos is stepping up and taking the match. And we've seen like these wrestling grappling matches before, and they like hybridize the rules to make it a little more wrestling. This is not like that at all. There's like the rule set very much uh, favors the jujitsu guy. There's no wrestling component to. There's nothing for takedowns. There's leg locks allowed, which is like. A very complicated, nuanced thing. So, I'm obviously very excited to watch this because I've, I've, over the last couple of years, I've worked with grappling, so know a little bit about it. But I, I give Tony a lot of credit for stepping up and taking taking this match. And it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be on October second, the day before who's number one wrestling. They're gonna have who's number one grappling. So, gonna be interesting. Um, looking forward yeah, to that. Kudos to Tony for stepping up and doing that. Like that's a uh getting out of your comfort zone, especially at the level he's at, right? Like you, you step in and you kind of, he's used to being the best of the best in the room all the time. And then you go in another avenue. That's a one, that's a lot of confidence to think you're still, cause I, I mean, I don't know him well, but I know him a little bit. He thinks he's going to win the match. That's a lot of confidence, but also man, good, good to put on a show for wrestling too. Cause that'll get some wrestling fans over and seeing that I stay as far away from jujitsu and grappling as I can. Cause it's one of those things I know if it gets inside of me that like, I don't have time as it is. Cause I love wrestling too much. I just cannot get into that world cause I know it'll get its hooks in me and then I'm done. Like, forget it. I'm finished. I have no time left to uh, spend with my wife. Yeah. Don't do it. But it is really, <laughs> yep. it's really fun to do. It's a very fun sport to participate in it's a great like second life for you you can you still wrestle with the guys coach but it's uh, a lot less impact and it's fun and the chess component of it i'm sure you would uh you would love and i want to i want to dig into that a little bit why do you think so that's one of the things i always ask like this is what we mess up with wrestling that wrestling ends one day why would jujitsu does it not stop is it the competitive aspect and there's a piece of like mastering technique and like, oh, I'm a rubber guard guy. I'm going to perfect the rubber guard aspect that there's something to pursue later on. But like, why do you do jujitsu and not wrestle? I think that's one of the things wrestling messes up on. And we got to figure out how to keep more people in the sport. I don't know how you make wrestling not insanely 
hard on your body and difficult. And one thing I think jujitsu has going for it is like you can go live every single practice for a pretty extended period of time. There's like it's very similar to a wrestling practice in that you go in, you do a warm up, they teach a technique, you drill a technique, you teach a technique, you drill a technique, and then you go live, right? And I think people just like that. And then you can go live and it's not terrible. The, you go live with someone, they just start laying down on their side, right? <laughs> like there's no, they're like if, in no gi, it's a lot more like high impact in wrestling. But if you're in the gi, like the dudes are just laying down, it's very, there's like, all right, they grab your collar, they're moving around a little bit, next thing you know, and then they're slowly just like tightening this noose around your neck or they're setting all these traps. They do it. If you go with someone good, it is like, it, it's fun because they are just slowly and methodically just going to do a, a thing that could literally kill you, right? And they do, whereas with wrestling, almost everything is done with like, speed and power and violence right whereas like the the process to getting to it and i'm not a jujitsu expert at all um but the process to get to it is just so different and unique and like you just tap and you start over once once someone gets their thing or gets gets you in a choke or an arm lock or whatever i don't know i don't know what it is well i think you hit on the point that we've got to get to with wrestling too that it, it doesn't have to be that intense all the time i mean I mean, I've heard, Bracky, you've talked about, like, scrapping with some guys, too. You don't wrestle now like you did back when you were in college, right? It's a lot no. more relaxed, and it's like, I'm not going to get in and hand fight this guy to death. One, because if I do, I'm done in about 27 seconds. Yeah. Like, you have to learn to be relaxed and set traps and be a little bit more tricky. I, I just don't see the difference in jiu-jitsu or wrestling with that, other than we've got this thing in our head of what wrestling has to be, and I don't necessarily know if it has to be that. I think you can get competent in jiu-jitsu way faster than in wrestling. These these jiu-jitsu's advantages, you can start at 30 years old and be proficient. You could be a black belt in 10 years, right? Whereas like learning wrestling, just imagine you took a 30-year-old right now and tried to teach him wrestling. You know, how long it's just going <laughs> to take him to get think about that. Getting them to do a stance and motion and learn a penetration step. It's going to take forever. For them to reach a level of competence, right? Yeah, That's you hit hard. something. I want to think. I want to think about it a little bit more because think about what you talk about. With okay, you can get to be a black belt. That's not necessarily, and I don't know a whole lot about jujitsu other than I was changing the business model of the compound before I came up here to reflect what I saw doing really well in some jujitsu schools. You're not competing against another person as much. It's not like. For me to be a good wrestler, I have to beat Brad Key. It's not master this skill set and I move to the next level. I think that's one of the things mm -hmm. that hold us back because the only way to progress up the ranks is to beat someone. And that's why it's so hard. I mean, you could start wrestling it in, what did you say, 10 years to get a black belt? Somebody at 30 and get them proficient at wrestling in 10 years. Now, they might not be able to beat anybody. And I think that's where wrestling mix up, messes up, that we only measure success because there, there is no model to master technique. It's only win. That's the only model for being great at something. Mm -hmm. I have to be the best, and I have to beat other people. And, like, man, I'm in a strange dynamic because I'm a college coach and still wrestle a lot, but I like, I'm not trying to beat anybody anymore, and that's why wrestling is really fun. That's why it's enjoyable, because I'm not trying to beat anybody. I'm just trying to get better. I'm trying to be able to push our guys in positions. 
I think as we get older in wrestling, we just move away from that competition standpoint and we could make it a little bit more like jujitsu. And again, my bias was that I was going to change the club to be that model and make it technique based and progressed. And then the guys that are good athletes and want to compete, that's already there. So, yeah, I, uh, I think, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of thoughts I have about, about the differences and, um, I think just overall, it's just so much easier on the body, right? And like, I know I'm in, I am in mediocre shape, uh, but I've I can. Seen, I've seen you with your shirt off, pal. You're in great shape. <laughs> I, uh, you, you'll pop, you'll pop the top now in a hurry. So you it, know yeah. you're in good shape without yep. he, without hesitation. It. Without you take hesitation, your shirt off right now. If it wasn't me, I would. Like, if there wasn't an HR violation, listen, I would be. I would be shirtless at all times. Um, I, I make no secret about that. But what? But here, here's why I say I'm in decent shape. If I start wrestling with with someone, Mike, Mike Mao, and it's not just because Mike's really good and strong and better than me. I get really tired in like five minutes. I'm really, really tired already, and then I can't like recover and feel like okay i can go for another i can so it's like it's just really hard for me but jujitsu i could i could do a whole practice i don't get that tired during during it it's just a lot easier for me to do and then i think about like okay if i'm like a base level conditioned person then taking that and doing wrestling three times a week right now like you have to be in really good shape to do that like i have to i would have to dedicate like a week to being in good enough shape like my entire week for months on end to be in good enough shape to do wrestling practices multiple times a week, right? Whereas that's not the case in jujitsu. You should see some of these guys and they, they can do oh, the whole practice. For sure. Well, that scales. And I'm not talking about everybody in the whole world doing wrestling, but that scales up too. Like you wrestle yeah. enough and then like I can wrestle a long time right now. Why? Because I wrestle a lot. So yeah. you just get used to it too. Like, like think about it. Like you did Murph, right? Well, come mm-hmm. Labor Day time, like you mm-hmm. do that. Like that's really hard. There's something inside of us that enjoys doing that really difficult thing. So why do we shy away from wrestling because it's hard? I just, I, again, I think it's how we promote the sport. It's not looked at as a martial art. It's looked at as a sport. And there's competition, and that's the only thing there is. We need to change that model, or could end up like gymnastics a little bit, where competition gets taken away. Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, let's hope not. I I, I think because I've thought a lot about this. Like, how would I? How would? What changes would I implement to make it so wrestling was like jujitsu? And I don't. I mean, the focus on skills. I just, I just can't see it not going down that competition path. I think it'd be really tough. But I don't know. I I'm hopeful. Wrestling is really really fun. I love doing it. I like doing it more than I like doing jujitsu. That's that's for sure. But I also am pretty biased in that regard. Hokey doke. Um, all right. Sean Mead wants to know your favorite fast food place. Top three if you're feeling frisky. Man, I try and stay away from Come fast on. food as much I as I possibly can. <laughs> like. I re- I really do, but if I had to pick, okay. But there's a recent so study, go- Coach, and and let's just say for the sake of the argument, all fast food was deemed as healthy as anything else you could eat. So you can just go anywhere. Oh look, I'm going into it. Don't get me wrong. Like okay, you, I'm I miss Zaxby so much. 
I miss, it's a it's a chicken wing place down in Georgia, like southeast. It's not mm-hmm. out in Iowa, and it's more of the dipping sauces that they have than the actual chicken. I miss Zaxby's. I love a good Chick Fil A. Like mm-hmm. and and again, you trick yourself into oh, it's Chick Fil A. It's healthy, right? <laughs> no, yes, it's still fast food. It's still fast food. And then, man, I'm trying to think of my third one, what it would be. I'm gonna go real bad, and like, there's nothing better than a good Whopper. Like, oh, yes. If I've got to get a real bad for you burger, you go in, you get a it's flame flame world, right? It's 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 bad. It's like cooking it at home. So yeah, it's these, like these tricks you play in your mind, right? Absolutely, it's just like cooking at home. Yeah, when we were doing, uh, me and Mike and two of the shooters were uh, doing the the trips for the July 25th event with Chimizo and Dake, and on the road, and like we hadn't eaten in hours. And then we all got in our heads like, let's go to Burger King. And we're, we're all like had the same clues like we haven't had a Whopper. For, we all got Burger King. And it was so – it was ridiculously good. Um, yeah, I love a good Whopper. I used to – dude, you want to know the <laughs> – my, my diet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it used to be so bad. I would, I would go to Burger King and get like two or three Whopper Juniors. But I didn't like their fries, so then I would drive to McDonald's and get McDonald's fries and or maybe some chicken nuggets. These are these are these are food choices I would make. I was like, no, it's not enough. Okay, here's the move. Back in my McDonald's days, I haven't right, eaten McDonald's go. in so long. This is a double cheeseburger, but you put Big Mac sauce on it. That's the move. Will they do that? Is that permissible? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did it all? Did it in my college days way more than I should have, way more than I should have. Because then you pay it was back then it was a dollar for a McDouble, right? So oh you yeah. Kind of get the Big Mac, but it only cost you a dollar. Yeah, that's that is man, that's a money move. I didn't even know that was uh, maybe that may only be legal in Georgia, Coach Roper. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. Well, it was um, it was North Carolina because I was in Boone when I oh, did it. Oh, that's Boone. Yeah. The other move you do is you get a McDouble and a McChicken. You take the chicken out and put it in your McDouble in between done the that. beef patties. That's <laughs> yeah. the other move you do. I guess I'm not that creative. Uh, Bracky, give us. Bracky loves some fast food. I will. I will eat a lot of fast food. What's your What's your go to? Chick Fil A is my number one. Um, he loves Chick Fil A. We We recently moved not too long ago, and that has really put a dent in my Chick Fil A eating days because we used to live pretty much right across the street from one. Now it's pretty far away, so that kind of sucks. Uh, number two, uh, even though we live in Austin and I get tacos anywhere, I love Taco Bell. Like sometimes you really? just need Taco Bell. Um, no, you don't. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you no, do. You <laughs> That's the line. That B quality beef, like you can't do that. You don't need Taco Bell in your life. Uh, Taco Bell and then the classic McDonald's. Great breakfast. Oh. Um, I can do I can do their chicken nuggets. I can do their burgers. The fries are are the best. Uh, Got to go with McDonald's. Yeah. And Brad, Kate, you're the connoisseur here. What's your stance on a McGriddle? Because it got hyped up, and that might have been the last terrible. McDonald's I had. And I wasn't a fan. What's your stance on the McGriddle? Like it was not way a, too hyped for me. It's it's overrated. I, I like if I have to, I can eat it, but that's not my go-to. I like I like the uh, bacon, egg, and cheese bagel. Uh, and then I put the hash brown on it as well. You take half your hash brown, you put it on there as well. I do that. Um, they that's actually the have. I need right there. That's, yeah, that's life advice. That is life advice right there. Put yeah. your hash brown on your bagel. I love also, that. when you go to Chick Fil A, put your waffle fries on the spicy chicken sandwich. That's happening today, by the way. You just <laughs> told me I'm going to Chick Fil A today. 
<laughs> call they have good shakes too. I call it the KB special. I I get the spicy chicken sandwich with pepper jack cheese. I don't like pickles, so no pickle. And then I put the I put some waffle fries on there, put ketchup on the sandwich, and then you dip it in Chick-fil-A sauce. And I promise you I will do this. I will go in and be like, I want the KB special. <laughs> yeah. And they'll be like, what you talking about? And I'll be like, then I'll do the order. Y'all don't even know. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's my go to. Um then they uh, McDonald's has a really we we actually went there last week. Uh, McDonald's has really good uh, chicken biscuit right now for breakfast. But do the same thing. Put the hash brown on that as well. Can I steal your metabolism? That is what I want. Can yeah, I steal your metabolism? absolutely. His day's coming. I keep telling him that one day it's gonna. He's gonna hit a wall. He's gonna have to change his ways. But right now he's riding the high. Looks great. Um, my wife. My wife is the same way. She weighs about 105 pounds. And she eats seven times as much food as I do. <laughs> it's coming for her one day too. Yeah, right. Age, you're not thirty yet, right? No, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, age thirty for me was when things started changing, and I had to change. Um, my top three would be. I don't like saying this one because no one else can access it, but P. Terry's is just like in a league of its own. Um, but it's only like here, but it, they're all around here. Popeyes is definitely my number two, and then I think I would have to say McDonald's just from the from the breakfast factor in terms of consumption. And uh, I'll go there. I'll get the I'll get a ten piece. They need really something between a ten and the twenty piece nugget because ten's not enough. Twenty, I feel like I'm gonna have my own like reality show or something <laughs> about I don't know I don't know. I just feel terrible about myself, but like. 12 to 15 is the sweet. They used to have, while we're talking about the dollar menu days, they used to be able to get the four piece for a dollar. So you get, I would get like two of those and like one or two McDoubles and then like four dollars. That's a lot of food. And then a little fry there. Um, but they, they got rid of that. I think I exploited it too much. <laughs> that, and, that and Coach Roper getting the Big Mac sauce on his McDouble. <laughs> Explo- exploitation of the, the dollar menus why I had to change. Talking about breakfast, I'm going to throw in uh, like the, the sidebar Bojangles. I miss a Bojangles too. The Bowberry Biscuits, I miss a good Bojangles for breakfast. You're, you're flirting around with, with Popeye's competitors, but you won't say the word Popeye's, Coach. I've, I don't think I've ever eaten at a Popeye's in my Stop. entire life, to be honest. I don't think I ever have. I don't think I have. All right. Well, next time we're at a town together and there's a Popeye's nearby, just let me just just let's go get a like a four piece or something. The real question is anybody saying Captain D's as their favorite fast food? I, I now you're a-, a risky you're a risky person if you do seafood fast food. I, I can't do Long John Silver's. If if we're yeah, if I have the choice between Captain D's and Long John Silver's, I'm doing Long John Silver's all day, but it's not like it's not in my nowhere near my top three. Uh, they have good hush puppies. Don't like hush puppies. I'm out. A funny story. I was uh, I had one of my wrestlers. We were coming back from a tournament, and it was like a toughness challenge. We stopped and ate. It was either Captain D's or Long John Silver's. We got some fast food seafood and then worked out when we got back. That's that's probably the only time I've ever had that in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I've never been at Captain D's. I've had Long John Silver's. It was not. It was not good did not like it um so that was fast food talk who would have thought um thank you sean that was a fun question who knew we were all such passionate fast food <laughs> connoisseurs 
look, this is how you know there's not enough wrestling going on when we talk that much about fast food. <laughs> that much. Uh, yeah, there's not much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other two questions we got were all accent-related. Your, your accent is a phenomenon, uh, Coach. Co- uh, ben Askren wanted to know, how do people in Iowa like your Georgia accent? Um, I I haven't when I first got here I got more of it but just I don't get a lot of it anymore and um, I don't know man I don't think I have a very heavy southern accent so I mean like I say I grew up around some people I'm like that's a southern accent but like yeah. Paul's you're from the south too where's where's your southern accent I don't know my parents don't have one and so I just never really had one um, I think I say things that are like sort of southernish but I don't like yeah I've never had Never had an accent, but like you said, your your accent would be far from the thickest in the uh, in the Shenandoah Valley, Coach. It's not that that bad. I and I, I don't know the guy, but I would imagine uh, Mongoose got a pretty heavy Southern accent. That's the picture I have in my head. <laughs> Does he heavy yes. Southern accent? The mongoose had a Southern accent, yes, sir. Listen, by the way, the tagline Mon- "Mongoose don't get tired." That says that's set at my house anytime you have to get tough. My dad gave him that nickname after districts one year. He's like pounced on the kid. He was a total spaz in a lot of ways, but he was like just really big and strong for a 20 pounder and he just rolled dudes up. But anyways, he got that nickname. Yeah. I coached a couple of Southern accents. One kid called it fighting. And before most tournaments, he would always tell, tell me he had my back. That guy had a, (laughs) love it. I love that kid. I miss, God, I miss the South so much for that stuff. Man, I miss it. I have yeah. guys like that, too. So good. Oh, man. Yeah, it's great. Um, besides you, who has the best accent in USA wrestling history? Wow. That's what my name is Jumps wants to know. What are some famous USA wrestling accents? There aren't oh. a lot of Southerners that have made their mark, Coach. I don't know if it's an accent, but uh, John Smith's, like, draw. Oh, Yeah. It's got to be it. that one. 100%. That's it. Yeah. Well, how does he win everything? <laughs> he, he's the best wrestler. He has the best accent. The man has it all. Guerrero's got a good one, too, because of the mix between California, and then he got the Oklahoma in him, too. Guerrero's got one of my favorite ones because it kind of goes in and out between the smooth California and then the twang of the John Smith, Oklahoma. His, his, he's one of my favorites. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that there was, like, a California one, and then – I think I forget who I talked to. It was like talked to Coach Pendleton and it talked to Coach Chiarapelli one time. And I was like, wait, these guys kind of talk the same. I was like, this is is this like a Fresno or a California thing? And yeah, maybe so. Now uh, it's not an accent, but there's yeah. a pacing of the brands mm-hmm. that I think could qualify as that too. And like I said, it's not an accent, but it's like I don't. Doug's got it a little bit too with this that kind of intensity with the way they talk. So they would be up there with me. They get me fired up when I listen to them talk. Ready yeah. to go go do a workout yes. or run away from them. One of the two. <laughs> Same here uh, on both of those actually. Um, okay, I don't have anything else, Coach. You got anything else before we uh, we get the heck out of here? This has been awesome. No, I appreciate you guys, man. Scratch my itch on talking some wrestling and especially about youth stuff, man. I, I really think back to those days. And like I said, I've had a very fortunate journey that I've gotten to coach wrestling at a lot of levels. And I'm still learning about 
college and I'm just getting my feet wet at the international level too. So there's lessons from it all. And I think it really has helped make me a well-rounded coach. So love the youth talk, man. Have more people on talk about that stuff. There's a lot of philosophies and theories out there. And I love it. They're really good coaches are getting involved at that level because frankly, that's where a lot of the money is. You see these clubs and they're doing really well financially. That yeah. That's my personal opinion why wrestling's gone up in the United States because there's a there's a lot of finances in youth coaching now and guys have more consistent coaching at a young age. Awesome. Well, we'll try to keep the conversation going. I hope soon you're able to get in the wrestling room and you and I start training up those Panthers, get them ready for competition in January or maybe before at Coralville. We'll see. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks to Coach Roper. Thanks to Bracky and especially you for listening. Um, your interest in wrestling has not waned despite the fact that wrestling has really not been happening all that much. We are so appreciative of that. We love it too. We'll be back tomorrow. Different time, I remind you. 2 o'clock to accommodate for the high-maintenance Chael Sonnen. He didn't want to get up early again, so well, what can we do? He won't make him get up early. We'll do it later. 2 o'clock Central, 3 Eastern. What are you saying, Coach? Mongoose don't get tired. Mongoose don't get tired. That's what we'll tell them. That's right. Not a very mongoose of of Chael Summit. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Have a good Wednesday. Thanks. See you guys.